giant robot smashing into other giant robots. This is the giant robot smashing into other giant robots podcast, where we explore the design, development, and business of great products. I'm your host, Lindsay Christensen. And I'm your other host, Chad Pytel, and we're back with Michael Sheely of Nurse 11. Michael, welcome back. Thanks for having me back. How's summer 2020 treating you? Uh, I'm ready for 2020 to be over. Uh, can you just <laughs> fast forward right through next winter and into next summer. You know, we're, we're getting by. I think like most people, we're, we're just dealing with the circumstances that are here. Are you doing any of your normal summer activities? Or actually, what are your normal summer activities? Do you go on vacation? Yeah, that's a touchy subject this week because uh, this is actually the week that we were supposed to have our summer vacation up at Maine and uh, we canceled it. So this week, it's sort of this like shadow overcasting the entire week where every once in a while we remember right now we would be on a beach or out at a fancy restaurant or, or wherever we would be that, that week. And it's uh, at home <laughs> during a pandemic, you know. <laughs> Silence. Um, <laughs> just, I, was like, just, I was like, oh, that sucks. Just, just the air <laughs> right. room. This whole yeah. situation sucks. Yeah, so that's um, where we're at. But the bright side is in, in Massachusetts, the numbers are low now. And you know, right. we've moved into phase three and some things are starting to open up and – my son is on a baseball team and there's practices now and it's very, baseball is kind of a socially distant sport anyways, but they've put in extra rules and stuff so that the kids are away from each other and everyone's wearing masks. So we're able to do that sort of stuff and it's kind of feels more normal, but everyone's sort of like, you know, how long is this going to last? Mm-hmm. You know, the numbers are going to start to creep up. I think everybody's got the Massachusetts stats, you know, on refresh on their phone to see like what's happening. Is this like the, the quiet before the storm or are things going to continue to get better? It's it's really hard to tell. So how are you, you know, today we're going to talk about work-life flow and balance and like, so obviously school is done now, but how are you balancing and how what does the flow of your day look like now? For me, it's, it's not totally horrible. You know, we're all working from home. We actually, as a company, decided not to renew our month to month lease from where we were. And so we, we've made like the commitment that we're going to probably be working from home as a company, at least into 2021. And so I think making that decision early on allowed everybody to sort of figure out like, all right, how do we, how do we work from home? And so, you know, I, I wake up, I try to exercise in the morning when, whenever I'm, I'm up to it. <laughs> and then I just, you know, go down into the basement here and to my office and, and start working and it's, you know, Slack and lots of zoom and, you know, lunch, I go upstairs and have lunch with the family, but you know, the kids are at home, both school age kids and, you know, every once in a while I'll be on a call and it's pretty loud and, you know, kids are running in and out. And I think the world right now has sort of gotten used to that. And it's sort of like a, an inside joke that everybody has when someone's apologizing for their kids running into the room or, you know, what other outside noise is, is working its way into the call. Everybody sort of just goes, yep, you know, that's, that's the situation we're all in. So it's okay. But for the most part, the team is pretty small and, and I think we're able to manage it uh, at, at least at this stage. Is there such thing as a, a typical day for you as far as like your work schedule or even week to week? It's it's like Groundhog Day. It, it really is. It's like you, you wake up, you go for a run. That's what I do. And, and I come back, have breakfast, 
I just go downstairs and work lunch. I pop back up, eat lunch, go back downstairs, work. All of a sudden I can tell it's getting close to dinner. I'll go back up and have dinner. And after dinner, I'm, I'm not coming back down into the office. Instead, I'm opening up the laptop on the, on the couch with the kids or, you know, I'll take my son outside and, and, and my daughter and we'll like play in the yard and do catch and some sort of activity. I, I, I've sort of become the, the gym teacher, I think, in, in the uh, <laughs> at-home schooling effort here. You know, it's pretty much that. And then when you have young kids, it's this bedtime routine that lasts two and a half hours. And then it's just sleep and wake up and do the exact same thing. And on a weekend, you try to pretend it's, you know, not the same, but it, <laughs> it sometimes starts to feel the same. What about the actual work itself? Is there a normal cadence for what you're working on at different parts of the day? Or every Tuesday we have team meeting? Yeah, we have one-on-one meetings once a week. And so those are all on Monday. And then we'll have like our team meeting after those end. There's like a running slide deck that we have that everybody keeps up to date on what they're doing and everybody else can see what everybody else is doing. And you know, we have a team meeting where we go through the entire deck again, like every Monday. It, the idea is it should feel like nothing new is being talked about. That's the goal, right? Mm-hmm. So that everybody's sort of still on the same wavelength and everybody's in agreement with what everybody's working on and what the goals are. And then, you know, the rest of the week, it's very just slack and random Zoom calls whenever slack is getting confusing or I'll have my calendar open. So I have client meetings that I'll have throughout the week. Uh, We have a couple of big clients that we have like scheduled weekly meetings with that we'll go through. That's sort of the schedule. We're putting our heads down this past month to work on a couple of really big efforts that, you know, I wish I could really get into and start talking about now, but it's allowed us to, you know, sort of quiet out the craziness that I think has been happening to us as a company the past two months where like everything was coming in and everything felt like a great opportunity. And I think we've now found our stride. So as a team, it's like this project effort that we have where we're really going through a planning phase right now and everybody's carving out their plan. And so it, it feels like we're starting to hit our stride in this effort of figuring out like, all right, there's craziness out there. We don't want to block out all that stuff. And like, this really is the big effort that we're going after. So it's starting to feel like we're figuring it out, but you know, it's a crazy year. So that that's how we feel this week. Uh, <laughs> you know, next week it might be, you know, bananas again and, and everything's off the chain, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes so far. So good. Is that a product effort? Like you're doing active changes to the product on the design and development side? Yeah. Without getting into details, it's just, Mm -hmm. you know, it's hard to even say that we're a healthcare company and then another company is a competitor because they're in healthcare because there's so many different aspects of it. But specifically where we focus, there's a clear opportunity for us. And we're seeing this from some pretty big clients that we're working with where they see where we should be. Yep. And so it's it's this adding a little bit more value to what Nurse 11 provides. We're already showing huge, huge numbers in terms of keeping people out of the emergency room when they don't need to go there, educating people when they're scared and worried, you know, getting them in touch with a live nurse. You know, one of the secret weapons that we've always had on Nurse 11 is that most of these nurses, we have over I think 1,200 nurses that are on our network nationwide is that most of them are nurse practitioners. And what nurse practitioners bring is a whole lot more than what a nurse does. They're not just giving advice. These are nurse practitioners where in most states they can prescribe, they can diagnose, they can order tests. 
they can treat patients. There's there's a whole lot more that we could be doing with this network. And so our effort right now is to go a little bit deeper on that mm -hmm. and to really start to add a little bit more value to Nurse One in a way that only we can provide. So if I remember right, we've talked before about how you sort of do product design and development or organize it, which is you're working off of a document that describes where you want to go. Correct. Yep. And so when you're working on this initiative or these these changes, are you generally batching up the releases? Are you deploying to production as soon as things are ready? And what is your flow and interaction with the rest of the the team around the active design and development that's happening? We definitely have different deliverables. There's actually three clients who kind of all came to us and asked for similar things. And so we're actually able to carve out which ones are the things that we need to do for all three and launch those. So sort of under the hood, we can actually launch these features. We have a direct consumer aspect of the products, so we can always launch it to those consumers who are coming directly to us. You know, little tiny fixes, changes, tweaks, things that we're changing just on the UI for the nurses that don't actually affect the experience for the patient, but starts to lay the groundwork for the new things that we're adding on. Uh, watching to see how they react to it. Getting feedback from the nurses is, is usually the first place that we go uh, whenever we're about to launch something much bigger. They're the ones who know. They're the ones who, who treat patients you know, all the time. So getting it in front of them as soon as possible is, is one of the things that we're always looking to do and get that feedback. So there's always ways that we can launch little tiny aspects of this bigger effort, get some feedback on it, make sure that we're doing it right, and then move to the next that next thing that we need to launch out. In terms of how it impacts your day-to-day -day and what you're working on, are you reviewing everything before it goes out to customers? Are you, you the one doing acceptance testing and really part of that process? Yeah. And I, I know that that's probably not the best way to do. <laughs> so we, we do have aspects like everything that goes through the medical side of what we're doing is going to go through our, our, our chief medical officer. And mm -hmm. when he looks at that stuff, I have no understanding. You know, I, I'm starting to learn and starting to know a whole lot more about this space. It's been four years of, of really diving into healthcare. But at the end of the day, he owns that part of it. And I'll look to make sure that there isn't any miscommunications on the goals, but from, you know, all the details that they're putting into it, I'll do a once over and look at it, but I'm not going over and like giving them a whole bunch of feedback and changes to make engineering side. I don't look at the code. So I don't, mm -hmm. you know, I never second guess our chief technology officer on how he's developing and structuring the code. I don't even look at it, but I will look at the product to make sure it's fitting our goals and it's meeting exactly the experience that we looked at. Same with mm -hmm. marketing. It's more of like an oversight. We've hired amazing people that know how to do this stuff and are well experienced. And so I have to like open up and let them run with things because if I, if I have too much say in it, I'm just going to slow them down or, or start making mistakes. So it's a balance. It's making sure that we're meeting the goals that we're going after, but yet they're able to do what they know how to do. Mm. Does that mean you're getting pinged in Slack being like, Hey, this is on staging. You want to check it out? Oh yeah. That kind of thing. Do you batch that up or how do you deal with that sort of interruptive or could be interruptive without blocking people who are relying on you checking something out? Yeah, there's certain things I just love. So like someone handing me a broken product and letting me go 
in and break it more uh, and find <laughs> out what's wrong is I see people on Twitter. I don't even know that are like, Hey, we're about to launch a beta. And I'm like, please let me in. At it. And it's just like this little passion that I have. Of, I love in the early days, you can almost see how they're thinking about building a bigger product. There's like these little nuggets in there that you can see. And, and that's just a passion of mine. So if I'm working on reviewing legal documents from our lawyers, you know, the ping that pops in in the middle, we're like, Hey, I have this thing on staging is like, Oh, okay. Let me go off and do that. But for the most part, I try to block that out somewhat, but I don't like let things sit on my to-do list. If it's more than a day where I need to get this looked at, I know this person's going to send me this, you know, I'll start to open up my calendar a little bit just with the expectation that it's coming just so that I'm not a bottleneck. But then at the same time, also, I think I thrive in that environment where things are constantly changing. So I sort of welcome it. What's your uh, to-do list? Like, I'm (laughs) curious how you keep it organized? Are you looking at like your day ahead, week ahead? Where does it live? Tell me all your secrets. <laughs> it, yeah. You know, I'll either write an email to myself. Like I, I know there's like all these apps and products out there of like how to keep track of like to-do lists and, and project management type stuff. But I, I'll either put it on calendar. So I'll have like meetings on my calendar that actually aren't meetings. It's just me blocking out like this is when I'm going to do task X and I'll block it out of my calendar. But I always have Slack open. So like, it's funny, like in the morning I'll have like, here's the to-do list that I'm going to get done today. And that stuff usually starts happening around four o'clock because there's all these new things that pop up in the morning there's a bunch of emails that are sitting there. I go through and then suddenly it's one of our biggest clients and like I have to pay attention to that and everything gets pushed. But I try not to let really anything that was on my to-do list get away from from me for that day. So if a whole bunch of distractions happen during the day, I'll just work late and, and try to get all that other stuff done that I was hoping to get done before the end of the day. Are you working weekends? Uh is this recorded? <laughs> yeah. No, uh, no, 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 it's not. It's between us. <laughs> yeah. I can't, I mean, especially in this day and age, like we're not going anywhere and like, you know, I'm at home and my computer's in the other room or it's, you know, it's on my lap and my phone is always with me. It's, I don't think that there's been a weekend, at least during the shutdown that I haven't worked at least a few hours on a day, but it's, you know, I, I do try to pull away. So there's time with family, like we need to go out for a hike. And so like an entire morning I'll go on a hike and I'll be present. You know, I, I won't answer my phone. I'll look to see who's emailing me, but I won't, you know, really dive into the email when I'm, when I'm out with the family. So there's like blocks of a day that I'll definitely separate myself from, from work. There's definitely no shame in it from our side. In fact, I think we're kind of learning from the founders and ourselves that that's happening even more with quarantine because there seems to be even more of this, what we're calling like work-life flow instead of balance where, you know, you're eating lunch with the family and then going back to work and they're bleeding into each other almost even more. Yeah, I do this. And I I think when it comes to like work-life balance, it's very personal to everybody. And I don't even know if it's healthy or not, but this is just how I do it. And I think in startups, you have a lot of people who are super passionate about the work. And the downside is that it can overburden someone and it can consume them. And, you know, burnout is real and it does happen. And most of the time, the person who's getting burnt out has no idea that they're burning themselves out. It's like, 
this week being our vacation week, my wife even mentioned to me last week, she's like, you know, you need to at least start taking time off because we're not going away. And so like having someone in my ear, that's alerting me that like, this is usually the time when you start to burn yourself out. Don't, you know, start taking some time off. And I think, you know, when you're in a team, you also want to set the example for everybody else. Like the worst thing I think that can happen in a team is when someone does take vacation, that they feel guilty about it. And so if I'm working constantly and I'm not taking time off, the teams want to see that. And then when they take time off, it just naturally is going to be something that's going to make them feel guilty. And so there's, that's the downside is, you know, there's a team that's everybody's sort of looking at how everybody else is, is behaving. And, and we just all have to sort of manage it ourselves or help each other manage taking time off as well. How does that apply to the, to the weekends? Are other team members on the team also working a few hours here and there on the weekend or even more or? It, it, it depends. You know, I, I can see certain individuals definitely like to take the, the weekend and disengage. I don't think anybody is off Slack. I think if I message someone, I'd usually at least get like a thumbs up from everybody. But some people are able to take that weekend off and like completely disconnect. And then when they're on Monday, they're able to really put their head down and, and use that to accelerate their work. And then other people, they can't help but start going in and, and playing around with stuff. And then you know, Monday morning, all of a sudden I see all these like updates and I'm like, oh, <laughs> so they were working this weekend, you know, and that's, I think that's just how everybody sort of behaves and, you know, everybody has their own flow. And, you know, if somebody says, oh, I'm taking this afternoon off and it's a random Tuesday. Like I want the culture to be one where everybody's just like, cool. All right. Yep. We'll see you tomorrow. You know, that's, that's how it should be. We've been having my partner and I similar conversations around vacation time because it's almost exclusively been, you know, we have a trip planned and so, and then we're going to take that time off. So now it's this new dynamic of we need to just take time off (laughs) and figure out something to do. Yeah. It's hard. I'm probably going to have to do that. Um, (laughs) That was the warning that my wife had to me was, you know, we would normally take a vacation, take time off. And you know, the exact same thing happens where you go, okay, but what am I going to do? Sit at home? Like I'm going to yeah. be bored. Like I, I need, right. I need to <laughs> occupy my time where I just don't watch Netflix all day, you know? <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I don't know how we're going to, I'm going to have to do something. I, I've yet to figure out what it is. Well, just from personal experience, and again, I'm not an expert at this, but you, you mentioned you run. One of the things that I found is like, oh, I get to do a few more long runs that week. Maybe we all sleep in a little bit and we all exercise a little longer and those kinds of things. You can kill a couple hours that way. Yeah. You know, I've thought of like, I'll just like go out and play with the kids and we'll go out and, and do something. But at the same time, like my kids have a routine where they're like, right. you know, for, for them, it, you know, there's a whole bunch of sacrifices that they're making because of this as well, but they love playing with each other and like, in the morning, it's really hard to pull them away from like their routine that they've built where like they have these different things that they love to play with. And so I'm like, if I had an entire week off, I'm just gonna be bothering them. You know, like I'm gonna be interrupting. Then I'll be like, dad, can you go find something to do? Like we don't have, you know, so I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's a little extra exercise, maybe going for more walks. You know, do you have a tree house? We don't. No, we have a you garden. You can build a treehouse together. I, I, I have a garden. Maybe I'll, I'll just like consume myself in the garden for a week or something. 
We're going to take a quick break to tell you about today's sponsor, Scout APM. Scout APM is quickly becoming my go-to performance monitoring tool for Rails apps. I love opening it up to see a prioritized list of issues that I can quickly knock out before end users ever see them. With the weekly digest and alerts, I can rest easy knowing that Scout will let me know if issues arise. Ultimately, Scout APM empowers developers to spend more time building great products by minimizing the effort required to identify and resolve performance issues. Scout's developer-centric approach quickly pinpoints N plus one queries, memory bloat, and other abnormalities. Their tracing logic saves me a ton of time by tying bottlenecks back to the line of code causing the issue. Give Scout a try for free today, and you'll have the performance insights you've been dreaming of within four minutes. Sign up through scoutapm.com slash giantrobots, and Scout will donate $5 to the open source project of your choice when you deploy. Thanks again to Scout APM for sponsoring today's episode. Do you have the concept of across the team, like working hours that people are kind of expected to be available? Yeah, it's it's not like a said thing. Like we don't have like these are the hours that we work. And we also have uh, a chief medical officer is located in Colorado. So, you know, he does work a little bit later in the morning and a little bit later at night. We don't have complete set hours. So it sort of blends, but the tech team is up super early. (laughs) So, you know, that's eight o'clock. I I see activity there. I'm usually checked in by nine. You know, maybe I'm opening up emails and answering emails before that. But after nine o'clock, I'm usually completely engaged. And then maybe six or seven o'clock is when I start to fade out. But that's usually the time I'm awake and I'm not keeping track of when everybody else is consistently around you know everybody sort of has their goals and and everybody's meeting what they're supposed to be doing so i don't i've never been the type that's gonna like make sure that everybody's working specific hours during the day i'm curious about the team meeting and the slide deck that you you mentioned that you keep up to date and it's sort of this running thing and this concept of ideally there's nothing new i hear that to be honest, and I, and I worry, like, then what, what is the point of the meeting? <laughs> if it's yeah. working, can you just eliminate that meeting? Can you tell me more about that and why it's valuable? Yeah. The idea is that, you know, the worst thing, I think, especially when everybody's remote from each other, that a team starts making assumptions about what everybody else is thinking, what the goals are, what they should be building, what they should be working on. And so the concept in my, in my brain is that there's this chart the path that the company should be growing and, and building, a, whether it's a product release or whatever it is, there's this chart from where we are today to where we want it to be. And I think the more people are away from each other, they start making assumptions because there's not there's no way you can have a meeting where everybody gets all the details. And so as even as a day goes on, people start making assumptions about what they should do in this little decision that they're making. And the further and the more time that passes between people talking to each other, the more those assumptions start to separate. And and that's when the more you let those go, the more people are going to divert from the plan, from what each other is working on. And so the goal with these meetings is it should feel like nothing new is being discussed, but there's little tiny things that are being said that somebody else might not even say anything and be like, oh, yeah, that's right. Or they might 
be working on something and it affects a little one of those little tiny decisions that they're about to make that week. And so if we're doing this right, everybody should be on the same trajectory. Everybody should be thinking the same thing. When those assumptions are made, everybody should be making the same assumptions. And so these these meetings should feel routine in that aspect because there's nothing big being discovered that somebody didn't know or somebody on the team was working on something that they shouldn't have been working on that lasted more than a week at the furthest amount of time that they've been working on something that was the wrong thing to be working on. And that's really the goal. And it's, it's definitely not a culture where we're meeting all the time for the sake of meetings, except for these meetings. The once a week Mm -hmm. meeting is a meeting for the sake of a meeting to make sure that everybody's on the same goal. And what does the deck look like? Is it status updates? Is it, you know, is each person presenting a list of what their team or they've accomplished and worked on and the direction that they're planning for the upcoming time? You know, it's a mixture of, you know, there's metrics that we keep Mm -hmm. track of that are always being updated before the meeting. There's financials of the company. You know, it's a startup and there's a huge downsize risk for anybody who joins a startup. And so I make sure that all that stuff is transparent. Here's how much money is in the bank. Here's how much burn we have. Here's how long it's going to last for. All that stuff's always there so that everybody is understanding, you know, the situation, the health of the company overall. The metrics are always being updated. Mm -hmm. And then everybody is responsible for at least a couple of slides that, talk about what they're working on, the things that they've committed and are done, the things that they're about to push live, uh, the things that they're working on next. And those are always in there. There's always a couple of slides about our customers, uh, existing customers, what metrics are we measuring to make sure that they're being successful, projects that we're working on for potential customers. You know, if I even get an email from a client, I'll put it in there so that people know, you know, what could be in the future or something that might become more important. So it's just everybody has the stuff that they're working on and they just update it and put it in there and we all go through it, you know, and then at the end it's like, all right, see everybody on Slack and then we're off. Are there people in that meeting who aren't creating the slides? No. And, you know, and I don't know how this scales. So I, Mm -hmm. you know, other than working at a defense contract where I was running teams that were, I don't think any of them were more than 12 people. I've never been at a company that had more than 22 people. And this has been something I've always done. You know, at RunKeeper, we grew to about 20 people and I could tell this process was starting to break down. It didn't work, but the way I do it is everybody meets one-on-one with me so that I know what everybody's working on in that morning. And they're like quick, short meetings. You know, they shouldn't be more than 15 to 20 minutes. And then everybody just has that meeting that should be happening around noon and, or maybe like one or two o'clock in the afternoon. And everybody just goes through what they're working on. And so when it's a small team like that, everybody has something that they're updating, a slide that they're updating, a stat that should be coming from them. You know, there's no like defined rule on what they're reporting. Mm-hmm. Maybe one person's very heavy on on stats that they're showing, uh, and somebody else is just talking about the content that they're creating or content ideas that that might be coming next. So it's very individualized on what those people are working on, but everybody is contributing something to let everybody else know what what they're working on and why. It seems to me, you know, we've been catching up regularly with Alistair at Take a Metrics, and they're at more than a hundred people. And they do a weekly all hands meeting. It almost seems like you could transition 
what is now your primarily the small group of people that is the entire company to a leadership team working on the continuous deck. And that meeting becomes like an all hands meeting. So you know, the majority of the team is getting the updates for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. That could be one way to, to do it is, you know, there's the management meeting and, mm. you know, when I was at a large defense contractor, that's how they would do it. I think they did it monthly where like the leadership team would meet monthly and there'd always be like one slide from a division that has everything that's important. And then that division was meeting weekly. So I probably took like the division weekly meeting strategy and, and have, have adopted that. And, and maybe there's a way that there's like tiers of that, but then the downside of that is that you have management in the middle that's meeting right. all the time and they're right. just taking meetings with people who are above them and people who are below them. You know, maybe that is just their role. You know, I don't, I don't know. At, at some point as we scale, I'm going to have to pull in that expertise of someone who has been there to scale that sort of stuff internally. It'll be interesting. I can't wait. <laughs> can't wait for more problems. <laughs> is part of your goal to scale that way and to to grow a significantly larger team like you know you said that you haven't really been a part of a team bigger than 22 is your goal to be bigger than 22 you know our, our goal is to solve the problem that we're trying mm -hmm. to solve and if growing the team is going to help solve that problem then we'll do it i do fantasize about the idea of being able to grow and scale you know, the reach of this company and how many people we're able to touch and, and help in their healthcare and do that while keeping the team small. But I think part of that might just be, you know, that's what I know. <laughs> and I think part of growing probably for me as this company grows is to grow as, you know, a leader of this company. And, and maybe that is, you know, taking the, the step to start to grow the team, you know, that's yet to be seen whether or not we do. We definitely are feeling some aches and pains right now where we need to grow the team. But I, I think the strategy that we have today will work for the next at least 14 people. And then we're going to have to think of how we have to scale a team if that's what we have to do. Well, and you did mention in reality, you have a pretty significant sized team in that you do have the nurses who are a huge number and an important part of what you're offering to customers. Yeah, there's the size of that team and the way we built it. You know, we hate using the Uber analogy that we're like the Uber for healthcare, but there is a lot that we do in terms of managing a community that it's more community management for the nurses. Mm -hmm. And all these nurses, again, are, are people who are able to do this stuff, you know, with their eyes closed. You know, we, we go into a new area of healthcare and we reach out to the nurses and say, like, does anybody have expertise in this specific area? And we'll get like 100 or 200 that are like, that is what I do every day as my job. So they're not the type of personnel that needs to be managed, but there's definitely communication. There's updates to the product. We have to email them. We have a, a weekly newsletter that goes out to the nurses who are active on our platform. So there's always that type of communication, but it's more of a, a community management and less of you know a team management. How is your team holding up through the pandemic, you know, all the social unrest that's going on. There's, it's been a really stressful time. It, it has, um, you know, we are mission driven and the people that we bring onto the team care about, you know, the world and society. And, you know, we are focused on what we think is a very big problem in society, which is healthcare. And then, you know, seeing a pandemic happen, that's right in the wheelhouse of what we're working on, 
it was stressful, but it felt like, like, this is what we're supposed to be working on. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, a lot of the social just start to pop up and there isn't anybody on our team that's not super passionate about what's happening there and doesn't want to help. You know, our first reaction is, is like, we should get out there and, and really push the bounds of, of that cause. And I think individually we are. And then it's like, well, wait, is this going to be seen as us taking advantage of the situation for our own marketing? And so there's, there's definitely this balance of like, what is our role in that? How vocal should we be? Is it going to be perceived as a company trying to, you know, use the situation to its benefit? And so we've sort of taken this role where we will put that messaging out there when it needs to be out there. We'll make sure that it's very clear where we stand. But then internally, I think we're going to do a whole lot more so that we are still pushing the cause as individuals and as a team, but it's not going to be us out there trying to take advantage of the situation for our own good. Yeah, we've been talking a lot about that as well. The idea of you know, focusing on our realm of influence when it comes to anti-racism work and DEI work, starting with ourselves, but also like our immediate community and the impact that can have. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, even in healthcare, I mean, there's there's many stats that show, and this outbreak is highlighting everything that's wrong with our society. You know, there's a lot of studies and, and stats out there that are showing that the coronavirus outbreak is disproportionately affecting minorities. And, you know, these are systematic issues that are within healthcare. And if we're really focused on you know, increasing the accessibility to healthcare and, and building a better system from the ground up, we have to make sure that we're also being proactive in those areas as well. And so there are there are areas that it does fit into what our mission is. I'm like racking my brain to think of any industry right now that doesn't have an aspect of, you know, the systematic racism that's in our society that's not impacting them, that they shouldn't mm-hmm. be diving in and, and working on. And so we do have some efforts and some content that we've put out around that. We do have a network of 1,200 nurses that are nationwide, and we do have a voice with them as well. So putting out that content to them and and getting their feedback, but then also letting them know where we stand is also an important part of what we're doing as well. Are you encouraging the team to take time off or take vacations, talk about energy levels, things like that? You know, energy levels, one that I'm definitely watching right now. It, it's really hard to tell, but I think for the most part, I might be the only one on our team who hasn't taken a vacation in the past couple months. So, you know, normally if I saw somebody else not taking time off, I would address it and, and make sure that they know that they can and that, you know, it's not something they should feel guilty about. So that hasn't been so much of an issue. Measuring the level of energy and excitement for what we're doing. And and that is hard. That is the thing that I'd say half of our one-on-one weekly meetings is also me gauging a person. It's usually the only time where, you know, it's Monday morning. We just had like the weekend, you know, there's like that intro to every Zoom chat where you're like, yeah, what, what did you do this weekend? And that's like my only opportunity to sort of gauge, you know, where people are at mentally. And so that's, I'd say that's the only thing that I'm actively trying to push a little bit because we aren't in an office together. Mm -hmm. Uh, But for the most part, I think we have a team that's, you know, this isn't anybody's first startup that they're working on. So I think everybody sort of knows 
you know, how to pace themselves and, and manage that work-life balance. How do you manage your own energy? What inspires you to keep going? Uh, <laughs> that's a good question. I, I don't know if it's like a jealousy or a, a inspired by, but I, I always see other entrepreneurs <laughs> sure, <whatever> who are, <laughs> I don't know which it is. At some point I'll sit and, and really try to analyze myself, but I see a, a founder and I've been doing this for a while now. So I, I see when people are emerging, you know, maybe their first startup fails and then they have another one and I see them struggle. And then all of a sudden there's a big round that's raised and then there's, you know, maybe a big acquisition that happens. You know, that's the stuff that is inspiring. There's another startup that uh, today in the news, it's sort of in our space that just has a huge partnership. And I like dove in to see what they're doing. And I, I just know the story behind one of the leaders of that team. And I know he struggled on his last startup. He'd been doing this stuff for almost 10 years. That's the stuff where I look at and I'm like, yeah, that person didn't give up. Like this person's been committing themselves to this exact you know, focus of what they're doing. That's the stuff that keeps me going. It's just almost like knowing like there's other people out there who are driven and, and want to make change who can actually succeed and I just like look at myself and say, like, there's no reason why I can't be that. You know, I I think that's what's driven me for a lot of my career. I'd say the second thing that I'm seeing now, now that my kids are getting a little older, my son's about to turn nine. You know, he asks me updates about projects that we're working on. So like (laughs) he's kind of clued in and I don't know, like there's this part of me that's thinking, when they're, you know, in their twenties and they start looking at like what their dad did and have a better understanding of, of what I'm working on. I want to be working on stuff that's going to make them proud and it's going to inspire them to want to go and, and have a life that is fulfilling. And, you know, I think that's also starting to become more and more of what's motivating me. It's just my kids growing up and being inspired by what I'm doing and going off and, and being great citizens of the world. That's, That's, I think, like the new thing that's really starting to motivate me. Thanks so much for joining us once again. Yeah, thanks for having me. Obviously, the company is Nurse One One, but let's remind people where they can follow along and find out more about the company. We are Nurse One One. Uh, It's nurse-one-one or nurseoneone.com. Either one of those will bring you to our website. We're on Twitter. We're on LinkedIn. We have a a growing amount of content also on Instagram as well at Nurse11. Awesome. You can subscribe to the show and find notes for this episode at giantrobots.fm. If you have questions or comments, email us at hosts at giantrobots.fm. And you can find me on Twitter at Lindsay3D. And me on Twitter at CPytel. This podcast is brought to you by ThoughtBot and produced and edited by Tom Obarski. Thanks for listening and see you next time. This podcast was brought to you by ThoughtBot. ThoughtBot is your expert design and development partner. Let's make your product and team a success.